Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Another week, another game week for Syracuse football. Still haven't hit the bye, which is a little wild. I think if you asked Dino Babers, he'd be a little upset about that. But Syracuse, Boston College going down tomorrow afternoon, 3.30, back in the Loud House. John Eads, Ian Unsworth with you here on this week's FizzCast as Syracuse looks to pull itself a little bit closer to making its first bowl game since 2018 and a splendid opportunity to do just that tomorrow afternoon against Boston College. But Ian, let's hop back to Virginia Tech before we do that. The Orange finally finally prevailing in a close game and winning. It was Damian Alford, the true freshman, the hero for Syracuse, and Garrett Schrader played out of his mind. Well, I hope Garrett Schrader can do that every single game because Syracuse is certainly going to need it going down the stretch. Schrader doesn't care. He puts the team on his back every single week. He takes the hits. He takes the bad with the good, you know, the crappy snaps. There was that one play, I think it was in the third quarter, maybe the fourth, when they just they just snapped it randomly and he had to fall on it. And yeah. then they get back up and keep moving the ball. Yeah. He doesn't really seem phased. Garrett Schrader is not going to get phased. He's going to stand in the pocket and throw when he needs to, uh, which I really enjoyed seeing him do against VT. And he's going to make his magic. He's going to run with the football and just bounce off guys like he's playing ping, ping pong. So overall, really good to see Schrader in the orange finally put it together. Right There, there, were, still, there were still the... The, just the ridiculous coaching mistakes, the the penalties, they're, they're all still there. But Garrett Schrader's a nice big band-aid to throw over it all. I'm sure there's plenty of breakdown on specifics of that game in the Fizz final. You can check out on orangefizz.net and at orangefizz on Twitter. Ian was on that with, was it Cam Azair? You too? Yep, okay. Now, I'll put a pin in that offensive line discussion because I do want to talk about that. There's a couple of things that are actually going to be pretty important going into this game on Saturday. But yeah, Garrett Schrader, he's not scared of the moment. Like you said, the guy's played SEC football. He's been, you know, banging with the big bodies for a couple of, for, for a little while now. And, you know, he did switch to wide receiver. And now I think he's finally starting to get his mojo back at the quarterback position. And he's getting better every single week. If he can continue the upward trajectory or even just play as well as he did last Saturday. I think that bodes well for Syracuse on Saturday and going forward. I would say so. It's all about making sure that the receivers are consistent as well. We had a really consistent showing, or Syracuse did, from the wide receiving group. Courtney Jackson, Alford. Even Sherrod Johnson. Sherrod Johnson caught a ball. Devon Cooper, yeah. I think he had four catches. They were he, like all on tunnel screens, but yeah. Yeah, but I mean still, that four catches for 36 yards, you'll, you'll take that all mm-hmm. day. So... Syracuse's receiving core starting to step up. Dino Babers said in his press conference that they saw a vacuum and they're filling it now. Yep. So everybody's really putting their heads together to support Garrett Schrader and keep this offense moving. Loving what I'm seeing from Courtney Jackson as well. He's kind of the go-to guy for Garrett Schrader. And, of course, Damian Alford with the game-winning catch. Now, I'd love for him to get more than just one catch because you saw what kind of damage he can do when he gets the opportunity. So I'm excited for the offense the defense, another story before we get into Boston College. Want to tie a couple of loose ends. Not a great performance from Tony White's bunch. Not a promising performance. Now, on the road, the defense has struggled. Gave up 30 points to Florida State and didn't look good in that game either. 36 to Virginia Tech. I don't I, – I'm, I'm, I mean, they were good in the second half. The first half was difficult, and the big reason why was Virginia Tech was picking up those third downs. They were four for four. Four for their first four on those third downs. Four for four. Four for four, exactly. 
but only one third down conversion in the entire second half, and you add it all up, you get five for 12. That's pretty much what we've seen from Syracuse all season, but the scoreboard kind of disagrees with that. Well, overall, Syracuse let Virginia Tech run up the middle. You can't do that. That is literally, for an offense that's struggling like Virginia Tech's was, and BC's offense also has the potential to struggle in the Dome this weekend, you can't give them what every single football player has been doing since Pee Wee. That is a recipe for disaster. You have to plug up those holes in the middle. The linebackers were really good at the beginning of the, beginning of the season, I think especially against Liberty, in filling those gaps when teams try to go up the middle. But against Virginia Tech, they, it, they completely lost it. I don't really know why, but it just was not there. Syracuse has to make that adjustment going forward because I don't want to see that 2019 Syracuse-BC game again. I was watching the game back over again from last Saturday, Syracuse VT. Their offensive line was getting insane push. I mean, yes, they were getting massive holes. That's what happens when you put three guys on the line of scrimmage. Yep. But still, you have to make adjustments. Like you said, the linebackers, I didn't think, did a spectacular job of filling gaps. Saw Jahad Carter playing in the secondary for the first time in a long time, and he kind of struggled with his angles and knowing where to be in the right place. Same with Eric Cole, even Jason Simmons Jr. Not the best game from the back end. And as much as you want to criticize the front six, they play as big of a role in that as well because maybe a 50-yard a gain or a 50-yard touchdown is just a 10- or a 12-yard gain, and you run it back and, and you get ready for the next play. But, yeah, like you said, we can kind of just tie this all up with, with the one sentence here. The front six needs to play better. The defensive line needs to get more push, and I'd like to see better angles taken by the secondary. Now, I think the test will be a little bit more formidable this week because Syracuse is back in the Loud House, and it's a place where the team has played better and the defense has played better, and this is a Boston College offense that isn't exactly daunting. Well, not having Phil Jerkovic this year is is really tough, all things considered, for Jeff Halfley because if you have a guy who, the Notre Dame transfer, who's comes in, ice in his veins, doesn't blink at all, leading this team through a COVID season and then gets injured in the first game, he's done. BC, I think, personally, if Jerkovic doesn't get hurt, could be battling Definitely. for the ACC Definitely. Atlantic right now yeah. because Halfley is that good of a coach. The defense is good enough, and the offense last year was pretty stellar, all things considered. Jerkovic looked very comfortable. He threw the ball well. He stayed within himself. He never made egregious mistakes, and... The running game, it gets the job done, and they have Zay Flowers on the outside, who I think is probably one of the best receivers in the ACC. Yep, Zay Flowers, C.J. Lewis, Jalen Gill, three names that you may not know because they didn't play as big of a factor in last year's game when Syracuse lost 16-13, but three of the best skill position players in the ACC. But it's kind of like the Seattle Seahawks right now. You got Tyler Lockett, and you have D.K. Uh, Metcalf. Metcalf, thank you, on the outside, but who are they getting the ball from? Geno, Geno Smith? Geno Smith. Yeah, no, he's he's not the guy that Russell Wilson obviously is. So it's like, it's like that's, that's actually a really good comparison, Jeeds. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm proud of you for pulling that out. I had, you know, I had the comparison, but not the names, you know, offhand. But good enough, right? It's like having a, a Ferrari and you live in downtown Detroit. It just, you know, it, it why it doesn't work. Well, there know? there are the people at Ferraris in downtown Detroit, man. Don't hate on Detroit, but oh, man, all all things considered. Um, Yes, Dennis Grossell, who has been starting for BC this year, is definitely a downgrade, and no offense to Dennis Grossell, he played against Syracuse in 2019, he actually was the starting quarterback. And all he had to do was hand the And ball all he had to, to do was give AJ it to A.J. Dillon. Dillon and David Bailey, who yep. ran for a combined 400-something yards, and 
ran Syracuse out of its own house. I was at that game, and it was miserable. Um, but Grossell's been all right. He's completing 58% of his passes, over 1,000 yards through the air, six touchdowns, seven interceptions, 12 sacks. So, all right, but he's a backup quarterback. And if you, that's what happens when you put Geno Smith in. You're going to get some good, but you're going to get a lot of bad. And that's why Jeff Halfley, in his press conference this week, didn't name a starter. He kept it up in the air. There were three other names that he threw out into the air as well. None of which have thrown a pass None this of, year. So exactly. Bold the, strategy, Cobb. Let's see how it works <laughs> out for him. None of them have thrown a pass this year. And there are th- three names. Oh, Dalen Menard. Matthew uh, Ruve, Rave, Rave, I don't, I don't even know, and Emmett Moorhead. Um, like, I don't, I don't know what the heck is going to happen with BC's passing attack. I think it's at, it's at such a bad place that this is the extreme they'd like to go to. Let me just try and run that comparison back. It's like having a Ferrari with no tires. There we go. All right, moving on. The offense not good. Boston College's defense is is. Good. Kind of good, good secondary. They'll pick you off. They'll grab those passes in the back end. But the front seven is not spectacular, and they don't get a lot of pressure. So that does bode well for Syracuse in this contest. And I was watching their last game against Louisville. Obviously, Malik Cunningham is that entire offense, whether he's running the ball or passing the ball. But he was carving up that defense, and I think Garrett Schrader can do much of the same this Saturday. Boston College's passing attack is... Well, passing defense, I should say. Let's not even talk about their passing game, which is non-existent. Covered both, that. Yeah, both their rushing offense and passing offense are bottom five in the ACC. So, nothing to call home about. Their passing defense, on the other hand, is technically the best in the ACC. Right in front of Syracuse. They've allowed the fewest yards, averaging under 190 given up per game. And they've only allowed seven passing touchdowns, which is least in the ACC, well, along with Clemson. So... They they definitely have potential on the back end. Eight picks as well, so you hit the nail on the head there, Jeeds. But Syracuse does not need to pass the ball. You touched on this last week when we were talking about VT secondary. SU does not need to pass the ball to be su- su- ugh, successful. Excuse me. Syracuse does not need to pass the ball at all, especially not at home. They, they can maybe throw it 10 to 15 times. You get Courtney Jackson and Devon Cooper on a couple slants. Try Damian Alford once or twice down the field. And other than that, we know what the game plan is. Jeff Halfley knows what the game plan is. The question is, can he stop it? Yeah, exactly. Like, you can have a good secondary all you want, but Syracuse isn't going to pass the ball 30 times, right? They're not going to put the ball in harm's way that many times. Now, I think they, they, they have started to give Garrett Schrader a couple of more opportunities here, but I don't think that should be the game plan going into this Boston College contest because, like we said, the front seven's not good. You got two of the best runners in the ACC and Garrett Schrader and Sean Tucker. Just let them have at it. Let them have at it, excuse me. Give them 40 carries at least combined, and they'll, they'll go for 300 yards at least. And you're looking at a home crowd as well. It's homecoming. So you have the best and the seventh best runner in the conference. What do you do? You play to your strengths. There's... Schrader would be even higher if he played the first couple of games, too, I'll add. Yeah. As well. And for reference, Pat Garwo, the Boston College back, is fourth. And Schrader already has more carries than he does by five. And Schrader, Schrader has more carries than Malik Cunningham, which I would not have expected if we just had to make a you know blind guess at it. But yeah. it shows you how important he is to this offense, all things considered. 
You said you wanted to touch on the offensive line. Yes. Though, yep. Let, yep. Let's yep. let's yep. get to that because the injuries have been a plenty. Um, this week, you you told me earlier that Carlos Veterello is going to be getting some surgery, and you, you when we started this this Fizzcast, you said Syracuse hasn't had a bye. And oh. that's re- I think that's yeah. really hurting the Orange. Yeah, that's a scheduling blunder. You, you play eight consecutive games that are by. You love to have it week six or seven. I don't know how much control Wild Hack has on that or Dina Babers has on that. Kind of just is what it is. But, yeah, Carlos Vettorello, from what I saw, uh, will not play the rest of the season. He's getting surgery, right? So that means he's definitely going to be out this weekend, probably for the foreseeable future. And that was an offensive line that was shuffling during the Virginia Tech game. So Chris Bleich hasn't played – in a couple of weeks, he, he logged time against Wake Forest, maybe a snap or two against Clemson, but it's been Kalen Ellis, the true freshman that's been playing at left guard. And then Josh Iloa came in in the contest in the second half when Vettorello went down. He got rolled up on there in the second half. So they slid Aaron Service out to right tackle and had Josh Iloa playing in the center. And you mentioned some of those miscommunications between Schrader and the center. I believe it would have been Iloa at that point. Well, that's probably why. You got a, a young guy, a redshirt freshman, I believe he is, playing center and that's in a situation in lane stadium in blacksburg virginia where that environment is rowdy that's a tough place to come in so hopefully those growing pains were all sorted out this past week but it's a syracuse offensive line that is playing shorthanded and playing a couple of freshmen now still looking good 550 yards of total offense last week against virginia tech even with ellis playing that entire contest at left guard and with josh iloa playing center so i'm still pretty optimistic but it's something to keep in mind the, the scheme is the same. Nothing really changes, but when Syracuse has to play these road games going forward, I think that we can be kind of settled on Boston College right now when it comes to the O-line because Syracuse's O-line was patchwork against Wake Forest, and they still look pretty good. But going on the road where environments get hostile, things get rowdy, you have to communicate with 60,000, 70,000 fans screaming at you and at a Cardinal Stadium, things could get kind of iffy. So that is my only worry with the SU offensive line. Uh, I mean, Dino seems to think they're doing a bang-up job. And yeah, the, well, they're you know, way better than last year. Yeah, so. the blocking yeah. the blocking scheme overall, like, Tucker's still rumbling. It works. He's, he's yeah. going to rumble. Schrader's going to move. Those guys are still going to get yards because the O-line's doing its job, I think, overall, all things considered. So as long as there are no communication issues, the O-line should be smooth. That's where it helps having a pretty simple scheme for these young guys, a zone-blocking scheme it is, and it works perfectly into what Sean Tucker does with his game where he can kind of wait, be patient, look for a hole, bounce it outside. He's a one-cut-and-go kind of running back. So something to keep in mind, and I wanted to get this stat in there before we get into keys and predictions here. Boston College is one of the worst pressuring defenses in the nation, last in the ACC, 119th out of 130 teams in FBS Division I football. They average a sack on just 3.5% of their play. That's not good. For reference, Syracuse, all the way up near the top, actually surprising me with this, 15th in the country, 8.72% of snaps, Syracuse gets a sack. So I think Garrett Schrader's going to have plenty of time. I think this offensive line will be just fine if it works together as a collective, especially on those passing plays. We talk about how good Boston College's secondary is. The last thing you want to do is not even test them because you're getting sacked or you got issues in the backfield. So I think Garrett Schrader will be able to create inside and outside of the pocket, and the offensive line will be just fine on Saturday. And so that kind of leads me into the key, to the, into my key to the game because it's pressure on the other side. Syracuse has to get pressure on Dennis Grossell. Stopping the run, yes, that's that's the first and foremost, but 
Grossell's going to be in the Carrier Dome, and it's not going to be the 2019 Carrier Dome where people are kind of bleh and they're not too hype about the football team. There is energy. There is juice around this football team this year. So if Syracuse can get pressure on Grossell in those third down and longs, and you kind of we kind of touched on it, BC doesn't have any elite, elite playmakers on the outside. There's no Jakari Roberson's in the Eagles offense. They, they, I would say Zay Flowers is elite, but the thing is, he doesn't have Sam Hartman as his quarterback, right? Yeah, there's, so. there's only one of them, too. Yeah. And Syracuse had three sacks last week, six tackles for loss. Replicate that performance, and you're looking at something good. I will say, though, Jeeds, I've got this as a pretty low-scoring game, and I'll break the lines out here as well. We were, I just want to put this out there, we were pretty wrong last oh, week. Oh, dude, we, we were both way... We had Syracuse winning, so... We were both way off, besides <laughs> that Syracuse money line pick. We both took the under, yes? Yep. Okay, and I think the over might have hit somewhere in the third quarter. So, all things considered, we are now... We are, like, I think tied... I think we're, yeah, we've been even, like, the whole season. It's 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 like 7-7. Seven and seven. So, we're still even. Uh, BC is a 6.5-point dog. The total is 50.5. I am taking BC with the points, and I'm taking the under. Okay. Syracuse wins... 17 to 14. So we will have a discrepancy this week, and it's not in the over-under. I'm taking Syracuse by two touchdowns, so a cover, and I'm also taking the under. I got 31-17. Syracuse is 7-1 against the spread this year, and obviously that in itself isn't the reason why they're going to cover this weekend. I just got a sneaking suspicion that the defense is going to play well, and the offense is just going to move the football. The running game won't be stopped, and maybe we'll see that passing attack continue to flourish with Schrader and company. So... Things have been wacky in the Dome this year, and I think we have another case of that on Saturday. It's all going to depend on BC's offense and how competent yep. it looks. And what happens at the quarterback spot, all things yeah. considered? Is it a freshman that Jeff Halfley pulls out of the bag? Is Syracuse? It does. Is the Jordan Travis thing replicated, where Syracuse had no clue that Jordan Travis was going to play down in Tallahassee? Can Halfley, uh, you, know, you know, the old saying, fool me once, shame on you. If you fool me, you can't get fooled again, George Bush. Great song. I, I think that is I think that is what we're looking at this weekend when it comes to BC and the signal callers. Yeah. So Ian's got Syracuse winning 17-14. I have Syracuse winning 31-17 and covering. Be a big win for the Orange. They get uh, their fifth win of the season. Be just one away with four more opportunities to get the job done and get that sixth win and claim bowl eligibility. But that's going to do it for us here. Ian Unsworth, John Eads, thank you for listening to this week's edition of the FizzCast. Syracuse, Boston College going down tomorrow afternoon, 3.30. Until then, you can find our crystal ball predictions and even more coverage on the contest. And basketball season is coming up as well. OrangeFizz.net, at OrangeFizz on Twitter. We'll talk to you guys next week. As always, go Orange.